Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are grateful for good news. We're grateful for the gift of community and faith and for this church, which nurtures us all, pastors included. We're thankful now for your Holy Spirit who moves among us, breathes within us and through us. We pray now that you would open your word to us through that same Holy Spirit that we would hear with joy and gladness what you say to us today. Help us to hear your word, O God, and also to do it. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and may the people of God say, Amen. We're in Acts chapter 5 today, the second in our series called Raising Hope, considering what resurrection looks like in this day and time. We're in Acts 5, beginning in the 17th verse, and I'm going to read a while. I'm not sure yet when I'm going to stop, but I'll stop when I get there. So let's, uh, let's read together, hear the Word of God together. Then the high priest took action. He and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night... The angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, Go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life, or the way, the way of Jesus. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak, and they went on with their teaching. When the high priest and those with him arrived the next morning, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple priest went there, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison doors securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard about these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. 
the God of our ancestors, raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, he stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then he said to them, Fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, but he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, Keep away from these men and let them alone, because if this plan is, because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found fighting with God. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Didn't we have such a wonderful Easter? It was so rich and meaningful, so much fun, so much joy. We had a lot of folks who made their return after two-plus years of being in the online-only world. We heard the good news together in song and word and prayer and action. We heard Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty, hope springs eternal. We wonder, though, on this Sunday after Easter Sunday, what do disciples look like after Easter. What do disciples of Jesus look like after Easter? You don't have to look too far in the Scriptures to find the book of Acts offers a rich account of what the disciples looked like after Easter, just like what we heard from Acts chapter 5. We get to hear the adventures of Peter and some of the apostles. They have been praying for boldness. Miss Tammy started us down that path. They have been praying for boldness, They've been healing people. They've been pooling their resources to get better situated so that they can be about God's work. They've been proclaiming the message of Christ's death and resurrection. Folks are flocking from everywhere to hear this good news, to be healed, to respond to the resurrection power of Jesus which filled the church. They were causing a great stir, and they would not be silenced. The religious officials, the high priest especially, had a bunch of them thrown in jail. You know, they thought they had all of this handled when they crucified Jesus, their leader. Nope, apparently not. Now all of his followers are just as much trouble. Let's just throw them in jail for a while until things calm down. What happens? An angel of the Lord comes to the jail, opens the doors, tells Peter and the apostles, go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message, the whole message about this life, the way of Jesus. Peter and the apostles are at the temple at daybreak doing exactly what they had been told. Meanwhile, the high priest and his crew, they get to their offices, they have their morning coffee, their donuts, they talk about the ball game that was on last night, and then 
they kind of get things together. Let's go ahead and get our trial ready. Let's get the courtroom prepared. Let's call together the council so we can get these people put to death or whatever we're going to do with them. They send the temple police to go down to the jail to get Peter and crew. They go. What did they find? (laughs) Well, sirs, everything seems in order, but Peter and crew, they're not in there. What? What do you mean they're not in there? Somebody rushes in with the news. Somebody rushes in there. Hey, hey, fellas, those people you locked up, they are in the temple this morning teaching the people. That's what they're doing. They're not in the jail. The high priest, go get them. Go get them now. But they have to be so careful, so careful. They cannot upset the people. All of a sudden, these powerful folks are afraid of being stoned to death by the people who are usually afraid of them. The gospel tends to bring things like that into reality. Peter and the apostles are brought carefully before the council. The high priest says, we told you, we told you to stop talking to people about Jesus. And yet here you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to put this man's blood on our hands. That's kind of funny since Jesus' blood was on their hands, very much on their hands. Peter is less smart-elected than I am. Peter and the apostles say, sorry, not sorry. We must obey God. We must obey God rather than any human authority. And then... Listen, listen carefully, verses 30 to 32. One of the tightest proclamations of the good news of Jesus Christ in the whole New Testament. Peter says, The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at God's right hand as leader and Savior, that he might give repentance to God's people and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. The council went into a murderous rage. The apostles would have all died right there had it not been for the cool-headed, wise Gamaliel. He reminded the council about another man and another man who claimed to be somebody. People went after him for a while, but when he was killed, it all fell fell apart. He said, just calm down, everybody, calm down. This Jesus thing is probably like that. Just let it run its course. It will all be over in a matter of months. And then Gamaliel says some really powerful words. If this is of human origin, it will fail. But it is, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. Gamaliel was right. The more they tried to suppress and silence these disciples of the risen Jesus, and boy, they did, the more the good news spread. In just a few short years... The gospel message carried by this ragtag bunch of people had spread across the known world, and they would not be shushed, not at all, not at all. What do disciples look like after Easter? I I think, I hope the picture is coming in very clear now, isn't it? But things feel different today, don't they? The sense of urgency in getting the way of Jesus out to the world, it's, it's a lot lower, lesser than it used to be. The high drama of persecution and suppression, why, 
not so much for us in our part of the world. I don't know any of you who've been to jail because of your faith in Jesus. And then we've got buildings now. We've got buildings for worship. We don't have to to sneak around in the Jewish temple. We've got bulletins for church. We've got air conditioning and name tags. We've got YouTube. We've got paid preachers who can tell us what we want to hear. It's just different now. It's just different than it was way back then. Much more civilized and tame, isn't it? And we're thankful for most all of that. But if you look carefully in the mirror of the Scriptures we sometimes look a lot more like the Pharisees and Sadducees rather than the disciples of Jesus after Easter. We are very distracted by controversies. We are interested in keeping the status quo, which has afforded us stability and security, and we are often very satisfied with the impression of holiness rather than the reality thereof. I I don't know. I don't think that's who we're supposed to be. That's not what disciples are supposed to look like after Easter. I can't help but wonder how we got to be this way. I I can only speak for myself when I say I am distracted, soft, and afraid most days. Then I remember, I remember there are powers and principalities at work resisting the good news of Jesus Christ. They have all been soundly defeated in Jesus But they keep at it because all they can hope to do is to slow down the mission of God unfolding in the world. And my goodness, what a good job they are doing. What a good job they do every day. I think of this scene from one of the Sherlock Holmes books, and I can't remember the name of it. It was made into a movie. The evil Lord Blackwood, he's the evil character in the Sherlock Holmes book. The evil Lord Blackwood is making his move to take power over England and then the rest of the world after months of terrifying the public with his dabbling in dark powers and occult and evil. He has finally locked the parliament, the British parliament, in their chambers, and he's getting ready to unleash a poison gas that will kill all but his followers. He's up on this high perch in the parliament building, and he makes this fantastic speech as the anxious crowd shouts outside. You hear Lord Blackwood say, listen, listen to the rabble. Listen to the rabble outside. Listen to the fear. Listen to the fear. I will use that as a weapon to control them. And then the world, I will summon the dark powers. Listen to the fear. Fear has always been the greatest tool of the evil one. It just takes so very little fear. And then we, the rebel, we latch on to it. And we begin to use it against each other, don't we? That's what we do. Look at the world around you. Just take a quick look. Our world has walked yet again right into that trap. We are at each other's throats every day. We are so distracted, so angry, so complacent, so confused, so sad. We're living in a world, my friend Davis Chappell says, we're living in a world stuck between anger and depression. Anger and depression. We get afraid in that place. We get afraid to put our hope to work. What if that hope isn't strong enough? What if we're wrong? What if we don't really know how it works? What if we, what if we try it out and fall flat on our faces? We get afraid. We stay afraid, 
and we look in the mirror and start to see every day Pharisees and Sadducees. This is what happened to them too. This is the same thing that happened to to them over time. What in the world do we do to get unstuck from this anger and depression and distraction and the fear being used to control us? What do we do? Let's go look at these apostles and see what did they do. We'll, let's look backward. We'll start at verse 17. We just started there. Let's go back. Uh, the, the verses before, the apostles heal many. They're healing people, all kinds of people. Let's look b- beyond that. Uh, the first part of chapter 5, we've got Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, what a story that is. You ought to go read that story. Don't withhold money from God's mission. You might die. That's what happens to them. Let's look at chapter 4, verses 32 and following. They are putting all their resources together so that they can serve God's mission completely and fully. That's what they're doing. And then look at verse 23 of chapter 4. That's right, Brinley. She's going to be baptized in just a few minutes. (laughs) And it'll get real loud then when she does. Chapter 4, verse 23. The believers pray for boldness. The believers pray for boldness. Perhaps this is where we should start. The believers pray for boldness. Do you think we could do that today? Do you think we could pray with these apostles for boldness? Would that be okay? Could we do? Let's, let's pray with them. Let's bow our heads and pray with... Oh, wait a minute. I don't think bowing our heads is, is enough here. Let's, let's get in a posture of prayer like they would have done back in that time. Could you, could you wherever you are, if you're able, don't worry if you're not, if you're able... Just, just turn around in your seat and, and kneel, and let's pray together. Let's do that. Just take a minute and get situated. I'm going to get here because I don't have a chair. Yeah, you can do that. It's not required, certainly, but you can, you can do it. If, if you're able, just spin around and kneel down. Now, there's no magic to this. This is not Lord Blackwood trickery here. This is, uh, this is simply letting our bodies and our souls get together with our minds. Now you see we're all together. We're on our faces before the most holy God. Now we pray. We raise our voices to God and we say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats, and Lord, grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen and amen. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. You can turn around now. Somebody go ahead and say, I didn't feel nothing. Can you say that? Yeah. Somebody say, where's the shaking? Thank you. Thank you. Where's the shaking? Where, did you feel some shaking? Did you feel any shaking? Oh, I felt some shaking, though. I did feel some shaking. 
I'll tell you, as we prayed that prayer, I trust, I trust God to answer that prayer. I trust that some of our anger, depression, and distraction shook off into the floor as we were on our faces before the most holy God. Some of it shook off into the floor. The rest of it, my friends, my sisters, my brothers, the rest of it, we are going to have to turn loose of. The only reason we still have it is because we insist on hanging on to it. John chapter 8, 36, whom the, the Son sets free is free indeed. You are all free unless you just choose to hold on to all that stuff that keeps you angry, depressed, and distracted Turn loose of it now. Turn loose of it so that we can all put our hope to work, speaking the word of the living God into this world trapped between anger and depression. Healings will come. Signs and wonders will happen through the name of Jesus, and we will all learn to hope in the name of Jesus again. I say, let us help people meet this living Jesus the one who died for all our sins, the one who lives that we may live without all this fear and oppression and nonsense. I think that's what disciples are supposed to look like on this second Sunday after Easter. Bold, fearless, and free. Free to give our lives helping others find hope in God's promise to save the world. Let's be about that work as we go forward together. In the name of Jesus, we pray.